Can't get over 
Amen. Do you have a testimony this morning? Jesus has raised us from death to life. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big thank offering this morning. The Lord is doing great things. The Lord is doing great things. I want to invite Dennis to come up. He shared with us a few weeks ago. It's great to hear you. And Dennis, you've got some exciting things you're going to share this morning. Yeah, so I just wanted to remind everybody, uh, October 23rd and 24th at the Bud Gardens, there's a Billy Graham Evangelistic Association celebration. It's going to be an evangelistic outreach for the city. Many people are going to come to the Lord. So what I want to share with you is we have these pamphlets. It says, bring a friend. All right? And inside, there's like one through ten of people you know that are not knowing the Lord currently that you can write their names down, pray for and invite them. So they're going to have it at the bud. There's going to be other churches that are overflow locations where we can bring our unsaved friends. This will be one of them. So I want to encourage you, pick up one of these. Think of people who you know. I'm sure each of us know at least 10 people that don't know the Lord. Just want to encourage you. All you can do is ask. Just ask. See what happens. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. I just want to make one brief announcement. We are having another picnic Saturday. It will be at um, Gibbons Park. Thank you. Gibbons Park. And uh, 10 a.m. if you're going to go on the bike ride or the walk. Um, but we'll be eating at noon. There is no charge for this. It's just to have fellowship. Boy, do we need fellowship. Just have fun. So we're going to have fun. There's going to be stuff for the kids. We're going to have uh, hamburgers and hot dogs. I think Murray's going to... Uh, fire up his fryer, his famous French fry, so that's good. And uh, yeah, please come. Just call or email the office that you'll be attending so we know how much food. There is no charge, but we just want to know. And please bring a friend. That's what it's all about. Uh, I just want to read from the scriptures this morning. It's my joy to do. Psalm 86, starting in verse 8. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God. With my whole heart I will glorify your name. For great is your steadfast love toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Let's worship the Lord. He is so worthy and welcome. It's great to have you join us. And those online, God bless you. We worship you, God. Everything that you are, Lord. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. in the 
song, we just want to declare how good he is and how he's there in every battle. So sing this with us.
Amen. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We are truly in a battle. We're in a moral battle. We're in a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the dark rulers of this world. And Father God, we take it very seriously. So tomorrow, this morning as we gather, we come and we put the Lord Jesus Christ over all these things because God, you're in control. Lord, we've had an election this week in this country and the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders. Lord. Our leaders are in darkness. Our leaders are in ignorance. Our leaders are putting in things in place that are against the laws of God, but we pray for their salvation. We do not condemn them. But Lord, we want to stand in righteousness. And I pray, oh God, today as a church, would you continue to give us favor before our governments? I pray that Canada would remain open for the preaching of the gospel. Lord, I pray that while it is still day and yet not night, that we'll do the work of an evangelist and take this great gospel to the ends of the earth. For this reason, we were called to be lights in a dark and perverse world. Lord, it is getting darker, but we have the light of lights. We have the glory of the King, and the battle truly belongs to you. We invite you into the service. You're already indwelling us. You're already with us. You never leave us or forsake us. So when we say we welcome you, we are God conscious this morning. We are more conscious of you than the problems and all the things that come against us because God, if you be for us, who can be against us? And all the people of God said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Welcome. It's good to get excited at church, isn't it? Uh, amen. Well, welcome. It's good to be with you. And it's good when my iPad works too. So give me a second here. Sorry. Come on. Oh, there we go. Thank you for your patience. That's one of the things, these glitchy things are here. Um, yeah, this, I don't know if you guys realize it, but we're at the end of the fall feasts of Israel. You know, God commanded the Jewish people to uh, observe these. There were seven feasts of the Lord. There's other Jewish holidays, by the way, as well. The, they call them the minor festival, but these are the feasts of the Lord. They're actually... They're in fact not the Jewish holidays, they're God's feasts. Um, if, if I were to summarize all the Jewish holidays, there's three things common to all Jewish holidays. They tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. Those three things are common to all Jewish holidays. That's because God's faithful to his people. Aren't you glad that God is more faithful to you than your ability to him? Like I would have been done as dinner a long time ago. I mean, if it, God's faithfulness, and when we look at God's faithfulness to Israel and to the Jewish people, they're actually his divine example to the nations of how he treats his covenant people, his faithfulness, their unfaithfulness. But at the end, God remains faithful. So we can be encouraged, by the way. So we're going to look at the, the fall feast, but I'm going to give you a little context. And what I mean by that is we're going to talk about these seven feasts. And there's four things common to the seven feasts that God gave to the Jewish people. First of all, there's historic significance. So there's seven feasts. There's the spring feasts. Uh, three Passover is actually three festivals. Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits all come in with one week. Then there are 50 days later, there's Pentecost, which was celebrated in the wilderness by the Jewish people as they came out. And then after a long summer, there's the fall harvest feast. There's three of them as well. There's the Feast of Trumpets, also called Rosh Hashanah. By the way, that name Rosh Hashanah is not a biblical name. The rabbi gave it means New Year because according to Jewish tradition, God created the world on Rosh Hashanah. It's not biblical, but I'm just giving you some understanding. 
And then right after Rosh Hashanah um, is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement and Fasting. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, which on the eighth day after the Feast of Tabernacles is Shmini Atzeret, which is the culmination and the end of all those festivals. And there's a great big uh, harvest festival at the end. And those things commemorate uh, the exodus of the Jewish people from Egypt. Passover is when they came out of Egypt from uh, bondage. Uh, Pentecost is when they were into the wilderness. And then when they came into the promised land, God commanded the Jewish people to make booths. That's what I call them, tabernacles, temporary booths. You'll eat in a week. Every day, you'll eat your meals outside and remember the time of your sojournings in the wilderness. So it really represents an historic 40-year period of the exodus of the Jewish people. Um, it also represents agricultural. I won't spend too much time, but it was part of the, the harvest festivals. God said, when you bring the harvest, remember the blessing comes from the Lord. So all of our harvests, you know, when we were in Israel, our tour guide, she's amazing, uh, she said that the early pilgrims, when they came to this country, and they almost starved, but they had enough food uh, in the fall, they had gathered food, they remembered the biblical mandate to rejoice before the Lord the God. Thanksgiving comes from the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what she told me. We should be thankful anyways, but it's a good thing. It, it's wonderful to be thankful because all this, that's the agricultural significance. But there's two other things that this morning I want to more focus on, and that is the prophetic significance. All of these holidays are still relevant for us today, not because of what, what just God did in the past, but there is a timetable that God has. There's a prophetic calendar, and God's going to meet us in that timetable. He calls these feasts Moadim. And that word Moed in Hebrew is a specific, it means an appointed time. Do you know that you have an appointed time? The Bible says it is appointed unto man to die once. That's an appointed time. You had an appointment with God when you met Jesus Christ as your Savior. God has divine appointments. He had divine appointments with the Jewish people in their redemption. He has divine appointments with us. He wants visitations. And I say, Lord, bring on the harvest. Bring on the visitation. We need the glorious presence of God. We need revival. It is the only solution to the moral slide. We are in a great moral slide in our society. And it won't be fixed through legislation. We are to pray for our governments. We are not to condemn. I certainly don't agree with a lot that our government does, but I don't condemn them. I pray for their salvation, and we love them because we are people of grace in the new covenant. But we don't agree. Let's not lower the bar. Let's not lower the standard that God has called us to because we represent Jesus Christ. And that standard is God's grace, and that message is transformation through a personal relationship. We don't change people by putting laws on them. We change them by changing hearts. You know, when the great revivals came in the past to different parts of the world, bars shut down and prostitution stopped, and uh, things happened because God changed hearts. They didn't have to change the law. You change the heart, you don't have to worry about the law. We need the revival. Amen? These fall festivals represent there's a harvest coming but we better be prepared. And I believe that with uh, studying these prophetic significance, and I can talk briefly about each of the holidays, just to give you some context. A friend of mine, his name's John Korkadakis. He's a pastor here in the city, and he's a lovely man, good friend of mine. Went to high school together. And he said this, you take the text out of context, and you're left with a con. That's good. So we want to look in context to the prophetic significance, but the fourth thing, and the most important thing, I believe, is our personal significance. You see, if I just impart to you knowledge 
and you go away with some interesting facts, I think I've just totally failed. I mean, it's not that I failed. It's that we want to, we want to apply. How do we apply these wonderful truths that so we can? So we're going to look at some personal, if I can call it, application. So what does it matter that what God did, you know, three, 4,000 years ago in this exodus and all these feasts, what does that mean to us today? Well, it means a lot, actually, and that's why we study the Bible. The Bible says all of God's word is relevant today. You know, is it profitable? Instruction, training, all of it. And so we want to look at these feasts today. We're only going to do a, a broad brush stroke overview. My friend John Mitchell, whom many of you know, who works for CFAN, um, his professional in Bible college, Ian McPherson, used to say this, Israel is God's timepiece. The church is his masterpiece. Isn't that a beautiful expression? Do you know that the church is neither Jew nor Gentile? The church is not a Gentile institution. And it's not a Jewish one either. The Bible says it's a brand new man. It, that's why it was a mystery hidden in times past. You see, the old covenant people were the only people of God. Everybody that was outside the covenant was alienated, the Bible says, and in darkness. But the Bible says that God loved the Gentiles, and through Christ, he has taken formerly those who were hostile to one another. You know, traditionally, Jews and Gentiles were pretty grumpy with each other. It was not nice. Let's be nice to each other. And through the cross, it says he tore down that middle wall of partition and he's brought you who are far off nigh by the blood of Jesus. See, the Jewish people had the true God, but they didn't have, they, but we all need Jesus. There is no salvation outside of Christ, whether it's Jew or Gentile. We do not believe in dual covenant theology, which says, well, the Jews are saved by a separate covenant. We all need Jesus. That's what the Bible says. But the Jews are significant. And God has not finished with his Jewish people. That's why we look at the feasts. That's why what's happening in Israel today is relevant to Bible prophecy. And that's uh, when we look at the feasts, there's a prophetic picture. Okay, I want to give you a broad brushstroke over here. Let's take the first three feasts in the spring, which is Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Well, that represented, of course, the, the redemption of the Jewish people from Egypt, uh, from slavery, but it also represents the coming of Christ. Christ died at the Passover. And Paul, in fact, says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been slain for us. So that points to the sacrifice of Christ. The blood of the lamb was put on the doorposts uh, and the top lintel, the top post of the door, so the angel of death would pass over so that the firstborn would not die. Isn't that interesting? So that's a picture of our redemption. Unleavened bread is followed by a week, and then first fruits, that first Sunday after the Passover, uh, they would go to the temple, and what was coming up is the beginning of the harvest. They would offer it to the Lord, and that speaks of the resurrection of Christ. So Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits speak of Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? That's directly fulfillment. And that's not my opinion, that's, that's the scriptures. But God, all of the scriptures are prophetically significant, either pointing to Christ, pointing to his work, or the timetable. There's a timetable. What happened 50 days later? Do you know Pentecost, which we think of as actually Shavuot? That was a holiday celebrated 50 days, and that was late spring, and that was the wheat and barley harvest, and they would go and they would have to offer up as a Thanksgiving offering, along with other sacrifice, the celebration of that agricultural festival, but according to Jewish tradition, they celebrated that in the wilderness. They would have been long gone from Egypt. And in the wilderness, they celebrated this. And according to rabbinic tradition, that was when 
God gave the law to the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, you know. Uh, but isn't it interesting? What happened uh, on Pentecost in the church? Well, we read that in Acts chapter 2. It says they were all in one accord, in one place. It was Pentecost. That was not a coincidence. It was prophetic timing of God's purpose. It was the birth of the church at Pentecost. And the, so on the one hand, the Jewish people, the giving of the law. But then the fulfillment is the giving of the Spirit through Jesus Christ. And the church was born actually on Pentecost. And they all were filled with the Spirit in one place. Isn't that awesome? And so that's prophetically significant. We're now in that long harvest time between, uh, prophetically, between Pentecost and the fall feasts. But I don't think that we're that far off. I don't think, I don't know. Jesus said, no man knows the hour time. So we've got to be careful not to be uh, too quick to say when things are going to happen. We don't know. All we're responsible is today. I love what uh, the Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, he didn't say to them, oh, you got this wrong. God's finished with Israel. He's finished with the Jewish people, so don't worry about the Jewish people. You just, he didn't say that. It was the right question, but he says, don't worry about that. God will fulfill it in his time. The Father knows the times and the seasons. But you get filled with the Spirit, and you start doing the work of the kingdom. And that's what we're here. We're still in the time where we can do the work of the kingdom. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. But I want to tell you, fall's coming. The second coming is coming. The fall feasts, I believe, feasts of trumpets, speak about the great judgments that are coming on the earth. There's trumpets coming. And according to Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah, where they celebrate that, it's a time of real soberness. It's a time of reflection. Uh, and so they're getting ready for actually Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. It's actually called, referred to as the Day of Judgment, where you come before God and you are judged for what you've done in your life. You give an account. And so once a year, people fast and pray and inspect their lives. And first, it's with the blowing of the shofars preparing for that great. And so the Feast of Trumpets is actually the biblical holiday. Uh, what a beautiful picture. Judgments are coming on the earth. And as the church, we need to be prepared because we're in a great end time harvest. Remember, it's a harvest. We're in a harvest for souls. I love what Jesus said. You see that uh, you look at the fields and you think there's four months yet to harvest, but I say uh, the harvest is ripe. He's talking about human beings. This is, we, we need to work while we still have our freedoms. And I'm not saying we're going to lose them, but we could lose them. We don't know, actually. We pray for our governments, but we don't ultimately trust in our governments. We trust in the Lord. Do you see where I'm coming from? But don't be caught flat-footed. Don't be caught asleep. I'm so concerned that the church is sleeping, and we need to wake up, and we need to live righteously. We need to live in a way that honors God. I'm not saying this to rebuke you or condemn you. I'm pointing the fingers here. Do you know what I mean? But I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you. It's later than you think. We just don't know. And even Jesus' parables often talked about getting ready. I think in Martin's message, it was timely, a few months ago. Get ready. Well, that hasn't changed. And when I see what's happening in the world, rather than being discouraged, I'm encouraged to know that God knows about it. He's got a plan. And we can do this, church. We can do it together. I can't do it without you, by the way. This is not about a one-person job. It's about us working together to reach the lost. I love what Dennis did this morning. He's encouraging you to think intentionally about those who aren't saved. Put 10 names down. Pray about who you should put down. And give away those. And invite them to this event, the Will Graham event. By the way, we're going to be one of the overflow places. If they fill up the John, no, what it's called, the Budweiser Gardens, 
they're going to come here as, as one of four churches. And I said, absolutely. I want a culture of evangelism. I want a, a culture in the church where we actually love the lost, that we care about people who don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, beat them overhead, but it does mean our heart, our desire is to see those who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. The three last feasts. Uh, Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, Yom Kippur, which is the day of judgment in, celebrated in the Jewish synagogue and among Jewish people by a day of fasting and mourning and repenting and confession of sins. And they, according to Jewish tradition, again, it's just, this is not biblical, but they say that, uh, they always say, in the greeting on Yom Kippur is, may your name be inscribed in the book of life. And the thing is, Jesus Christ is our covering. He's our, he's the one. But he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And I believe that Yom Kippur speaks of the second coming of Jesus. And we better be prepared. You know, the way we live our lives today matters very much. The warnings Jesus gave in the parables, it says, the master went away for a long, you know, trip. And it says, and his servants, while he wasn't coming back, some of them got lazy. Some, and that could be the church. So we want to keep stirring ourselves to remember who we serve and what we're about and, and what our identity is. We are not of this world. We are not of this world. Life is so terribly short. We're of an eternal place. So let's live from that perspective. And of course, the Feast of Tabernacles is a Feast of Booths, is that feasting. If you go to Orthodox neighborhoods in Toronto, certainly all over Israel, and some in London, and if you have observant Jewish friends, they'll build these little outdoor booths, and they have to leave they're going to cover it with fruits, and they're going to cover it with all kinds of... It's a celebratory... It's a Thanksgiving holiday. And that believes speaks of the millennium. This age is going to be over with one day. All the suffering that we know, but there's going to become an age, a glorious return of Jesus. And he's going to put an end to this age and start his millennial rule. And I just see that from the scriptures. And that represents the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, and so those are the, uh, you might say, the prophetic timetable, the broad brush strokes overview. You can go and read details. Now, oftentimes, I'll have read the scriptures and say, I'm not sure I understand it, but there's significance and meaning to all the details. And it's amazing. The more you read and the more God gives you a revelation, it's really rich. And so I really want to encourage you not to ignore the Old Testament, thinking it's too difficult. There's some rich stuff. But see it through the filter of Christ. It's about him, it's about his kingdom, and it's about his work in our life. So I believe that there is this time that we'll be living that just before the return of, of Christ. I do also want to say that, um, obviously, it's all about Jesus, but it also has personal application for us too. When you look at, the, say, the Feast of Passover, that's so, Christ is our Passover lamb. So what, was the, what were the Jewish people doing at the time of the sacrifice of the Passover lamb? They were in bondage. They were in bondage to sin, they were in bondage to Pharaoh, and they were in misery. And God in his great love, it says he redeemed them. You know, he had, a, he had a redeemer, Moses, and had these judgments that came on uh, Pharaoh and, and the Egyptians, and he took them out. But he said that what was significant was is that they had to put the blood of the lamb, one per family, per household, and had to stay in. If they went out, they would, be, they would have died. But those who stayed in, it was the death of the firstborn. 
Interestingly enough, do you know what the Bible calls us in Hebrews chapter 13? He calls us the church of the firstborn. I think it's 12 or 13. It's in there. And what's so interesting that we are all the firstborn. Do you know we've been given the birthright because we're now adopted in Christ. See, when we believe in Christ, his life comes with us. Jesus is the ultimate firstborn. He's firstborn of the dead. But our life is in him. We're his body. We're part of him. He's the head. And we're actually the extension by his spirit on earth. Now, we're not God, but God indwells us so that we can do the work of the kingdom. When Jesus says, greater things you will do, he was talking about, now that I live in you, the things that I did, I can do through you, but I can do it so much better because God has brought us about. God's got a great end-time harvest available for us. God's got a great end-time harvest. Pentecost, when we got filled, is a picture of the birth of the church, filled with spirit, here we are today. And the fall feasts are about this great end-time harvest, and we are preparing, and how do we prepare? By sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. And so, uh, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of, we need to rejoice in the Lord. You know, if you're saved, you should be rejoicing. We all have problems, by the way. All of us do. I have problems. Everybody's got problems. But if be rooted in your identity in Christ, knowing that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you're going to heaven, that God has a plan, and no matter where you're at in your circumstances, as we trust God day by day, he promises to redeem it, even the things that we have done wrong. Isn't that good news? God doesn't condemn us for our past, and we all have a past, but he's got a glorious future for every one of us. And the Feast of Tabernacles is us looking forward to the time when we'll be free from the presence of sin in the glorious presence of God, and we will be ruling and reigning. The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Christ. How good is that? And after the, after the millennium, there's going to be the new heaven and the new earth. By the way, I don't know if you know this, um, heaven is temporary. What we go to, when we die and we go with Jesus, and we will be, I believe, we'll be consciously there with Jesus in heaven. Okay? That's temporary until he comes back, and one day, the new heaven and new earth will be our reality. And we'll be come back to this place with real physical. He's going to give you a new physical body. Isn't that awesome? Now, I believe that when we're in heaven, we're not just little floating whiffs of spirits. I don't know. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, we will not be unclothed, but we rather seek to be clothed within the temple. We're in these temporary tents. These are called, these are, we're tabernacling already. The tabernacle was a picture of our earthly sojourning. That's, this is our earthly sojourning, but we will one day have a, a, a new body and that will not be moved. And I believe when we get to heaven after we die on this earth, God will give us a, another, again, we'll be clothed with something that we can't see, but when we come back at the final resurrection, we're going to have real physical, like Jesus. We're going to be like Jesus. We don't know what that'll look like. But we know, so we should live with an eternal perspective. The Feast of Tabernacle teaches us that we have an eternal purpose, that we're going to look back, and what we do on earth is going to matter. How we live our life today will affect how we're going to uh, enjoy eternity. Now, if you're saved, you will be in heaven. I just want you to know that. You know what we believe here, right? I hope you, I hope you believe that because I want to give you encouragement. No one, it's like this. Everybody graduates from grade eight, but not everybody's a valedictory. Not everybody gets the same reward. Some people get the shop class reward. Some people get, you know, a valedictory or the math awards or whatever. I wish they had a award for bad senses of humor. I would have gotten that. They didn't have that, right? But I do take my sense of humor seriously. That's no joke. 
But the reason I tell that is not to feel condemned to look at how you failed God. That's not what I'm saying. But to say, forget about that which is behind Paul said and lay a hold. You have, like, what do you, remember that song this morning? Thank you for, whoever picked the song's great. That was great because it says, you know, we're not condemned. For whatever happened past, we are moving forward. There's a glorious future. Today is the day of salvation. Every day we can renew the fact that we want to serve God today. Every day we make a choice to serve God. Because what we do will reflect in the future what we've done in this life. And don't focus on doing great things or building great things. Just focus on Jesus. Love Jesus today and just be obedient. It can be even a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple and you will no wise lose your reward. Don't, and don't, please do me a favor, don't focus on what everyone else is doing. Just worry about yourself. Because you're not made like anybody else. You're not made like anybody else. So you can be faithful in what God's given you today. You can do that. And it's by trusting him. And it's his life working in us. It's not performance or striving. You start striving, you'll be burned out very quick because you'll never be good enough. I guarantee you that right now. So the focus is, I'm just trusting you, Lord. I'm just loving. And as God puts people across your path, and he will, that's what you do. As God puts things into your hand, just be faithful. It's that simple. God made the Christian life to be simple. Not, we make it complicated. God made it simple. The Feast of Tabernacles is a time when we enter into that new place in that millennium and our res resurrected bodies will be with Jesus here on earth. Well, we'll look back and see the work and the fruits of the labors. And I want to know this. I want to know that. I just want to hear seven words from Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he wasn't talking about the meat on my barbecue. <laughs> but there is a lot at stake. <laughs> okay, enough already. Um, <laughs> I, I just lost two points right there. I just want you to know that. No, I'm just teasing. Jesus is coming again. And in that day before, Jesus talks about what those times will be like. He gives us a little glimpse. I just want to read it briefly. And then I want to summarize with the, the, the feast of Shemini Atzeret, which is the, on the eighth day. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 24. Uh, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point to him the buildings of the temple. And he answered them, when you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So what will be the sign? Singular. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And when they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation must rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Jesus is warning them, when you look at the world and the mess that it's in, you'll be tempted to be faint-hearted. You'll be tempted to look at that and think, I can't go through this. He says, but that's not the sign of the end times. He says, when you see these things, be encouraged. And it says in Luke, lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. These things should not make us not believe that God's in control, but because he's warned us, it's to prepare us. Boy, has there ever been false Christs? Is there wars and rumors of war? We are living, in the, but this is not yet the end. That's not the sign, but he's preparing us. That they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. 
Wow. He's talking about the church. Do we see that? Are we seeing a great falling away? Are we seeing the hearts of God's people in many areas being indifferent to the sin that's around us? Boy, I think our ancestors would be shocked at what we tolerate in our society as far as sin's concerned. And because of that, the love of many will grow cold. They'll just be so indifferent. They'll just be so used to all the immorality and debauchery and lawlessness that's out there that it won't even faze them. It won't even bother them. We should be mourning. We should be praying. We should be asking God to have mercy on our country because we live in these days of a great falling away. There's whole church people that call themselves by the name of Jesus that are completely abandoning the biblical principles. They're abandoning faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we need to hold the standard. We have to put our stake in the ground and say, we're not going to be moved. We're going to, and we're only going to be faithful and stand by God's grace, not by our own strength. You can't stand on your own grace. But these are the days Jesus is warning us. He says, I'm letting you know those things so you'll be prepared so when they happen, you won't be surprised. And guess what? They're happening, and don't be surprised. I have received emails from friends who are saying, I'm having a hard time trusting and believing God when I look at the mess of the world it makes me wonder where God is. Well, I know where God is. He's just told us. These things are going to happen. So we need to look at God's word so when we look at those things, we're not moved by them. That's what Tabernacles teaches us. It's teaching us the season that we're living is just before the time, I believe, of great judgments. I don't know when it's going to happen, and I'm not uh, predicting it, but I'm seeing what Jesus said, and I'm saying, we're approaching. Um, I'm going to go down here a little bit. It says... Um, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now this is the sign. This is what I'd be waiting for. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then, then the end will come. That's the sign. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be proclaiming. We need to be proclaiming the Lord's coming. We need to be, that's why we're so motivated. And that's why we want to preach the gospel. By the way, the gospel has not yet been fully preached. Why is that the sign? It's because when God comes to judge the nations, he will judge the nations in righteousness, and he will not judge you for what you don't know. When all the gospel has been proclaimed to the nations, those who will respond and receive Christ will be saved, because he's waiting for them, because he will not bring in the judgment those who haven't heard. And those who have decided and knowingly rejected the gospel, he brought the judgment, and God can be fully righteous. That's what he's waiting for. But we are in the time now where we can proclaim the gospel. So this is what Jesus celebrated, the Feast of Tabernacles, in John chapter 7. And this is what he says. On the last day of the feast, the great day, that's Shemini Yatzeret. That's the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles when everything was finished. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit who had, into, um, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, Jesus said that out of whoever believes me, out of, uh, out of his Belly will flow rivers of living water. On that Shemini Yatzeret, in ancient days, the high priest would take a thing of water and he would pour it out at the temple site, fulfilling or symbolic of the prophecy in Ezekiel 47, where it says that a great river will come out of the temple and flow into the Dead Sea and there'd be many fish. 
There's actually a guy in Israel that has asked the government of Israel for the right for fishing rights for the Dead Sea when that happens. Now, I believe that will literally physically happen. I believe when Christ comes, there will be. But Christ on that day was pointing to himself. So you see there's a spiritual significance. There will be a literal fulfillment, but there's a spiritual significance. What happened? He says the spirit could not be given because Christ had not yet been glorified. He hadn't been, uh, he hadn't been crucified and resurrected yet. But guess what? We've received the spirit. And what happens? Out of our bellies flow rivers of living water to the Dead Sea are those people that are dead in trespasses and sins so that they could be made new life. And that's the fulfillment of tabernacles. That was done in tabernacles. That's the mandate for us today, for us to allow that rivers of living water through Christ to flow out of us to a dying generation. And it says there'll be many fish. There, we need to be fishers of men. We're going to see fish. We're going to see life come from death. We are all the church of the firstborn. We've been raised from the dead with Jesus. Because he died for us, we have also died and been raised with him. If you've never received Jesus, I'd like to invite you to receive Christ. It's the most wonderful and important thing you'll ever do. It's the most important message of all mankind. Jesus Christ died for us. We're not worthy. We can't earn God's approval. But we receive it by faith. And if you choose... Jesus Christ, he will forgive you and come into your life. Pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for my sins and rose from the dead. I know that by my own good works, I will never be made righteous. So I ask that you will forgive me all my sins because of what Jesus Christ did and for who he is. Come into my life and I surrender my life to you and I ask this in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you. It's been great to worship this morning. May the Lord bless you this week and give you grace. I invite you to stand with us for one last song. And this song declares the awesomeness of God's plan. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
It is the greatest thing that we can do is come into an intimacy with you, Lord God. And I pray for the people of God to continue to grow, that you'd open their hearts, that you'd speak to us. I pray that people will get excited. I pray for revival. I pray that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be poured out. I pray that you'll confirm your word with signs and wonders following. And I pray that Jesus Christ will always be Lord of Lords and King of Kings in our midst. And we're so grateful for you, God. And Father God, you said that you change not. You're the same yesterday today and forever. And Lord, we pray for those today who are sick. We remember our wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in their physical bodies, in their emotional being, and those just suffering under circumstances. Oh God, today I pray you infuse them with the life of the Spirit, that faith would raise up in their hearts, that they would get a hold of God no matter what they're going through. And Lord, that you give them grace to walk in it because you promised to never leave us you promised never to forsake us. Strengthen your church. And God, I believe that you still heal today. And Lord, we pray for your healing touch to go forth and strengthen those who are suffering with illness this morning. You know who they are, oh God. But we believe in you, God. We trust in you. And we thank you this morning. And Lord God, I just pray a blessing on the assembly here and those who are joining us online. Lord, would you just uh, encourage them this week to be strengthened in the work of God. We look forward to greater things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining. So good to be with you. God bless you. Help is on the way.